Well, this is uh, our class on the Beit HaLevi, and really more accurately on the whole Soloveitchik, the aristocracy, etc., and using ideas from his work and events from his life to try to get a perspective not only of his family and their contributions, but also what it was like in Lithuania, the contributions of the great Russia Yeshiva and Lithuanian Rabbonin, and to get a sense of what life in 150 years ago was like in Europe, and to use it, the authentic statements and the actual letters or shuvot or ideas in his parshanot, I think, gives us a, a view into his life and mine. And uh, I want to share with you tonight some comments that he makes on one of the thorniest philosophical issues that these parshiots bring up, and that is, of course, God's declaration to Moshe that he is going to harden the heart of Pharaoh, seemingly taking away his free will, in order to continue his, his pounding away and, of course, this is an issue that, that, that Maimonides and others have written at length about, and Sarasalovacic has an answer that perhaps you've heard before, but I think he writes it in a, he sets it up in a very interesting way. I want to share with you that, those, those thoughts, and I think they will say a lot about his attitude towards, his attitude towards uh, the culture that he was confronted with. You've already seen a couple of weeks ago how how he looked very negatively on the, the, the forced integration into that culture. How he felt that, that non-Jewish education standing by itself and pushing children to go taste the fruits of that new world would eventually lead to the complete assimilation. And <coughs> And it's part of what would keep us in a very difficult goal. In fact, this is one of the first speeches that he gave when he came to the city of Sulk. He was land-based of those that wanted to run after the more modern system. And um, what we're going to see, I think, when he describes Paro's machinations and Paro's intent, we're going to see, um, although you can't compare it to the loving supposed loving face of some of the uh, of the leaders of the assimilation, but you'll see his distrust for Paro and for his open words. And you'll see, I think very clearly, that Paro is not, uh, not a metaphor, but is clearly uh, inspired by his understanding of the Russian government and how what the Russians say and what they really mean and what they're really after. And I think that that's going to be, I think it'll tell us a lot about his way of thinking and also about the way he viewed the culture that he was founded. So I want to do this by way of first, uh, if you'll pass out the motion. I know that they couldn't go to the secular school, but did you believe in any secular school? Well, I don't know if we have on record any statements as far as that goes. He clearly felt that running after that culture would destroy us. 
uh, how where he drew the line, not not clear. Um, yes, he was at the school. He was what? No, no, that was no, him. It was his grandson. His grandson. His great-grandson. So was at the Yeah, his great-grandson. So he did not believe in I don't think so. I think he would have been against it. I think times changed. I'm not sure how pliable he would have been. That was part of the issues we were raising about Jewish education. And of course, we connected it a couple weeks ago to the time that we were giving that class, which was Hanukkah time. And we talked about the influences of the various Hoffman. That's just sort of a summary of what we did a couple of weeks ago. And I think it, it can I think what we're doing tonight can be seen as building on that. Therefore I'm not I'm not ashamed that we're going to be doing things on that. Um, again I would like to give you out the piece that I'm referring to. And again, this is the second page of it. And the first page again if I I had my real if I had a real copying machine I could could have come out clearer and easier to read. It's page one. This is in Rashi's cut Oh the only and there is an addition. Let me see. Let me see. We're not so Okay. But you can you read Rashi's script? No, we can't. Okay. So can you read non Rashi script? Yeah, we can. Okay. So let me let me press pause. Okay. Um, now, the Yalkut is ostensibly addressing um, the symbolism involved when Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, as we see in the Torah, when uh, open up a homage, Moshe Rabbeinu, the Yalkut means a collection. It's actually a, um, when usually when a, when a book says Yalkut, an acharon, Someone from a later time quotes Yalkut. He's quoting Yalkut Shimoni. He's quoting a collection uh, compiled in the medieval period of Mishrashim, Medrashrab, Medrashamakuma. It's a very handy book to have, the Yalkut Shimoni. Uh, a lot of you see it around a lot, you see it quoted. Uh, the topic that the Yalkut is referring to, or the Medrash that the Yalkut is quoting, is referring to, if we open up to the stone Chumash, and we see Moshe Rabbeinu is in the midst of speaking to God on page 306. And um, Moshe says, Hey, no, I mean to they're not going to believe me. They'll say, God didn't appear to you. Page 306, perfect. That. A Yomer Hashem, Hashem in your hand. A Mate, it's a Roll it down to the ground. By actually, it down. And it became a snake. A Yomer the Moshe ran from it. A Yomer Hashem, O Moshe, Shlach, Yod, Then your hand and grab hold of its tail. By Yishwach Yodo, Moshe sends out his hand, by Yachazek Bo, and Moshe grabs hold of it, and when he puts his hand onto the snake, by Yishwach Yodo, Moshe in his palm, it becomes a staff again. Oman Yaminu, Hashem says, Kinyere Hashem, that will show them. That, in order for they to believe, you'll do this in front of them. Then, Prophet Bob says, 
can further assessment, have any of you ever come to put your hands inside and your chest? By yoga, yoga, you put his hands inside his shirt like Napoleon. The Yotzea, he takes it out. Being a yellow mitorad, and there's his hand, clearly with the sign of leprosy or the sign of sarat, as we see later in the Torah. By Yomer and Hashem said, Okay, I'll show you, I'll put your hand back in. By Yom taking it out of his hand, taking it out of that area, he made Shogot to Soto, and then it went back to the way his flesh always looked. Hashem says, They will hear the call Ha'aharon. And then he tells the third, what does that mean? They will not listen, if they won't listen to the first, they will clearly listen to the this last one. And then he sort of, Hashem hedges his best there and says, and there's a third miracle that we have, which is about um, the water turning into blood. Now, the Moshe also was told that he will do um, uh, on page 310 he's told that he's going to do these uh, miracles in front of the people and that um, he's also told that he might do this in front of Paro right? and he does something similar in front of Paro right as you know um, there it says Tanim here it says Nachash there it says a serpent of the snake. So the output that the, the snake the lady is quoting refers to why what's the symbolism of what occurred what had just occurred. And you probably have heard interpretations up until now that this was sort of like a lesson of Moshe thing, right? You probably heard that. That Moshe was being like chided and being reminded that he shouldn't have sold short the Jewish people. Right? Rashi brings, and then people say that Moshe was sort of like punished. Punished by a snake. You see Moshe runs away from the snake. The snake is somehow symbolic of himself, right? Um, similarly, the karat that occurs, the leprosy that occurs, is also supposed to be a byproduct of the way he spoke against the Jewish people, saying they're not going to believe me. When was this? When did he go down with the to, to go and bring right. these so during the negotiation time. So, the Yalkut has a different take than what you've heard. What you see. The Yalkut part is Shmos, Zewashana. The Roma Herodo of Kodesh Baruch Moshe Ben Why was the symbol a snake? So the Yalkut answers, Ma Nachash no Sheikhu Meimi. Just like the snake bites, kills, with Nei Adam. Tachoyotaro that's the way Paro and his people uh, were acting towards the B'nai Yisrael, that they were trying, they were, um, you know, yeah, and the Yalk. That's the way Paro and his folk were. However, the chos of Yavesh. But then, as you can see, it turns back into just a dead piece of wood, a dry dead piece of wood. Yavesh. as dangerous as they were, they would be neutralized and turned into just a, a 
an eighth Gilgesh, a dry, unpowerful water. Now, then the Yalkut continues. This is not the Beit Levi thought. This is the opinion. This is an idea that was populated in the Medish. Why was it that Sarat had to show up? The same way a Mitzorah is Tomei and causes others to be Tomei. One of the most powerful Tumas that there is is an Av, a Tumah, and makes things that he sits on, and even if he's not directly sitting on it, uh, even if there's stones and other metal separating him and what he's sitting on and on top of him, Mitzorah is one of the super powerful Metamin. So he's coming, makes others Tomei, Kakho Yataro umitrayim tmeim umitamim. Paro was like Sarat. Paro was like a Mitzvah. In other words, the Nochosh represents not Moshe, and not Moshe's Roshan Hara, and not Moshe to be afraid of what he had said, but rather it's a symbol of the Mitzvah, the symbol of the, of the enemy. The symbol of the enemy, maybe there was a secondary point too, but the Yalkut is saying that these were messages about the interaction between the Jews and the Mitzvah. On one level, they were they were enemies, and they wanted to bite and, and, and poison and, and, and kill us. And on another level, they wanted to bring us into a state of unholiness, a state of impurity, a state of tarah, a state of tumor. How? I mean, I don't know what you Well, let's take a look. Let's read on. Yaparo umitrayim tameyim umitamim. They were in themselves a impure culture, and they were trying to impart that impurity, that tumah, to anyone under them. And what happens when Moshe sticks his hand back in? It becomes uh, healed. So, so too, because of the nitar. Kaku yitrol nitarin nitumas nitarin. So again, these miracles that happened to Moshe, these signs, were really uh, an indicator of the interaction between the Mitzrim and the Jews. Right, and the fact that even though, yes, they are yeah. Torahim, and yes, they have affected us. Careful, 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 careful. Okay. The, uh, even though that they are Torah, they are a very powerful Tuma, we will become Torah. They are a dangerous nation. They're sick. They will be like a stick, powerful. But that's a whole different take that this Yalkut had. And he could have stopped us with this Yalkut, but then he's, he's going to explain it, but that was not his. Was not that's his not his thought. Those are thoughts that he found. That he found. Right. But he, a great thinker finds good things to, uh, to, to now develop. He's, this is just the very first step to This is step one. <laughs> We're, we're, we're taking baby steps. This is the very first step towards the point he's trying to build to. But first I want you to appreciate how this is different from what you've heard. I'm going I'm to go out on a limb and say that the art scroll uh, probably just pretty much goes through Rashi there, right? Am I right? On page... Um, page 306. Page 307, as you can see in the article, 
Moses was shown three miracles that he was commanded to repeat to the Jews in order to prove his legitimacy. However, the virtue of the sign, the snake and the Salat, were for Moses' benefit as well, to show him that like the snake, and even he had spoken slander against the Jews and to punish him for it through Salat, which is the judicial one would have been a slander. Because Moses understood that he slept from the snake, thinking that it was to bite him in punishment. By telling the Jews that God had stricken him Salat because he had doubted them, he would reinforce their faith. Because they knew from history that God punished those who wronged them, he was on the power of Abinella, and Abraham, and the son of Abraham and Sarah. Finally, since denial was an Egyptian god, that's the third thing. So anyway, the point is, he basically quotes Rashi, like I said, that this was a miraculous sign, but was also a learning lesson for Moshe, which he would repeat to them how he was humbled, and they would get strength from hearing about that story. That is Rashi, that's what our scroll transposes for us. He also does a different take on it, that this is really a symbol of what, what's going on between the Mitzvah and the Jews. Why Moshe runs away, I'm not sure, but let's take a look and see what the Beis lazy does to develop it. Okay, everybody with us? Mm-hmm. Good. The Indian, what is this idea? He may, okay, if you want to take a pen and, and follow, you want a pen? No, I want Okay. They did two negative things. One was the obvious backbreaking, painful labor. The second one, however, was attacking their soul. They caused them to sin. They caused them they, they, they caused them distress and they caused them to go down. They ruined them. They were ruining their spiritual level. We know the angels, when they saw the miracles that God was about to wrought against the Egyptians, they said, hey, objectively, they're not that much different than the, than the, the Jews. They're not objectively that much different than the Mitzvah. They also survived. The Heshavah this answer, I mean, I haven't seen this answer. We all know Hashem says, don't worry about it, I've decided to save them. According to the Medrash, according to what he quotes here from the Medrash, Hashem's answer was, yes, they serve idols. But it was the servitude and the unclear thinking that servitude brought to them that led them into this path. Whereas the others accepted it on their own. Whereas the Jews were forced into it, you can't, you must forgive them. That's what Hashem objectively answered the angels. But you see, of course, that they had been on this, on this level. That Hashem affirmed was a direct byproduct of what the Mitzvah were doing. Again, read the words. Halo Ovdu Mito they went to serve idols, but the Sheba brought them to it. The enslavement, the enslavement brought them to it. We took Sheba and we took Tirupadat from the fact they weren't thinking. Now, those are those two miracles. The Paro Nimshal and the Hashanoshek. Paro embodies the snake that bites. So who al-shibudam ha-kosha babodotam? And that, of course, is the snake and the pain of the back-breaking pain of labor and being a slave. So ha-shemi b'tzara. 
second one though is the Tzarat, the Mitzvah Mitzvah they become Tomei, and it doesn't mean to put them to a ritual state of Tumor, but it means to spiritually pollute them, that they're Mitzvah causing them to be sinners in their souls. Now, okay, so that's basically his rephrasing the idea, and emphasizing that, that the Mitzvah attacks us on two levels. Okay? Now the question is, what was the main attack, and what does Paro really want? Okay, so now, now we go to step two. Ask out of the next paragraph. What needs to be understood, why did he pick a snake? There's other animals that God could have caused the staff to turn into. There's other dangerous animals. They know you have sinned upon him, and they're even more dangerous than a snake. A lion, a deadly bear, why is the sin of the antagonism a snake? Good question. This is the point. If that he was breaking them, enslaving them, paying them. Next page if you're smalling in the Rashi script. He didn't, this wasn't just a way to keep them enslaved, to keep them working, in order to have servants. Not just to, to make them unpaid workers to benefit the economy from their work. The way all masters are. What he really wanted was what he really wants is step two. What he wants is to cause them to be polluted and sinners. Whatever they retain from their ancient religion, we want to disassemble it. We want it to go down. We want them to sin openly and against it. When he puts them into Sheba, that's only a method he has. What he wants is for the Jews to lose that uniqueness and that connection to God that they still embrace. And by sinning and adopting their ways, they will lose it. By forcing the Shibu, which might have a side benefit of giving free labor, but by making it as hard as possible, that will cause the Jews to say, we can't take this anymore. We obviously can't live according to the principles of Yaakov and the Twelve Shvatim and those principles that have been developed in the times of the Avos. And they will become less Jewish in order for the, in order for the uh, service to become to become less strict. Now, the, the, the service meaning the servitude. Oh, now, now we're going to bring another proof to that idea. There's another Yalkut, another Yalkut means being this medieval compilation of Midrashim, the Yalkut, the same Yalkut that we mentioned before, but this is in self Meshalach. Keshahoi, what does it say? Quote, Keshahoi, Yitro, Mawin, Ezdemeyem, when the Jews were doing Mila. Right, meaning the Jews were coming back and realizing they should go back and, and do Britain again, right? Because they had stopped. 
the truth have, have given it up. It seems like when the Shiva became very difficult, they started during enslavement. So now, they were, were they told not to? The I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that this is really what his point is. is that, but they, but they recognized. They knew they had to go and get a person again in order to eat from the club of Pesach. And there was mass, uh, you know, and, and maybe even before that, there were there were there were individuals that wanted to go back to that lifestyle. So when the Jews were giving, were were were, were doing the mila, are you misremembering why are you doing that? Well, not the Malin or something. Why are you Why are you doing the bris? Are you commissarian? Be like us. The Tokel Ha'avoda Me'alechem. So this is if this met this the Alkad really proves his point that the Mitzvah. I don't know when this was. I said before it might have been during the days right before they left. And maybe this was even when the Makos began and people started feeling, hey, let's be more Jewish. Or maybe this was some of the people who tried to turn to God even in the beginning of this enslavement and said, you know what, we've become assimilated even before we stopped doing the bridge. Maybe let's go back now that we see bad times have come that we've become slaves. Maybe we should go and adapt more religious actions and we'll go and, and circumcise our children. That's what, again, I have to see the outfit inside. But that was the third way of explaining the outfit that this occurred early on would, would feed into the hands of what the Baker Levy wants, which is that the Nisrim themselves, although, you know, they, you know, I don't know who Paolo told, were ready and understood that if the Jews give up their uniqueness and stop doing a risk, that this would be a pathway to have a lighter servitude and maybe even the, dissip- the dissipation of the servitude in totality. So, because that's what they said. They said, hey, be like us. Are you commissarian? The talk of our vote and how they And their vote will become much easier for you. How could they survive without slavery? Or the slavery might have been unnecessary anyway. You know, with everybody working together, the economy could have been strong. They didn't need it for slavery. As we could see, Paolo's speech in the beginning of Shemot, it was done, you know, to, to keep the people down. That's what they really wanted. Paolo and his people, if the Jews would have given up the ship and said, we're not Jewish anymore. This is ridiculous. Stop the slavery, we'll be just like you. It would have been an all clear after a while, and they could have, uh, and they wouldn't have been maybe second class citizens, but not slaves. Or maybe not even second class citizens at all. The Zelatan them before that's the only way you can understand this, the famous statement that they had was called back-breaking labor. We know what the measure of the Farach is, and it's quoted everybody who learns about it whenever they do the Haggadah Shopetach, Umedroshay, Sheikhlifu Melechat Anoshem Renoshem. Right? You've heard that before, but they had men do women's work, and women do men's work. Now, the let's think about that. Misha Kavanaso Harvachos HaMomon if the purpose of this enslavement, like what Debbie was saying, was to make the economy strong, to have slave labor that will allow us to do so much and grow and prosper, <laughs> and that's what you're after. So, you know, you need to appropriate your human resources to what, they, what they're able to do. The old faith in the law, the law, the 
And then, obviously, they're, 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 they're operating under the best way to give capital to the country. <laughs> but what's going on over here is making men do women's work. When they would have women do difficult and work that they were not used to doing, like visiting or whatever, the Morocco would, it wouldn't go well. He's not used to tote that barge with that veil. Right? So what was going on? This whole idea of... So I always understood it up until now that it was, a, it was an attack on their psyche. It was an attack to humiliate them. Right? But that's basically the base of point. If everybody was in on it, that this is humiliation, so it's clearly not for the sake of getting the best slavery. Right? Now, you could say, well, we want to humiliate you and make sure you never have any thoughts of being anything except a slave. So we humiliate you, even though we know those days you're being humiliated, we're not getting the maximum workforce from you, but we're doing enough damage to you psychologically that the rest of the time we can treat you like a zombie and you'll do the rest of the work. Maybe that's the way you've interpreted it till now. That's the way you interpreted it till now? Something like that. But they said, ladies actually saying that what they were trying to do was, and you'll see in a second the way he explains it, Avokidim Bepachliso, the Etsem, Koyeraka Koshi Yisrael. They just wanted Kral Yisrael to feel that this was an, a, a situation that was intolerable, that they were in an intolerable situation that they couldn't be brooked. And we went, brooked. They couldn't brook it. They couldn't stand it. They couldn't live with it. And what would that result in? That would result in... The result then to say, okay, we've just given up. The situation comes and say, you know what, you stop doing this to us, we can't stand it. Is there some way we can negotiate, we'll be like you, and we'll write like, like, like you've hinted before. Okay, well, some we go in the law. They didn't really care. It's for weeks and weeks they wrought, um, you know, positive labor force. What they were trying to do is to make it psychologically difficult, to make it physically difficult, to make them feel they couldn't do the job, to have them frustrated and say, I don't know how to sew, or I don't know how to dig a ditch. So when you don't know how to do something, then you're put, and you have to do it, it gets very mentally and physically strung out, and that perhaps went the way the Beit HaLevi is saying would lead to them saying, okay, we're going to throw in the towel. Now, again, you have to suppose that that would have worked, and you, that's the supposition. Now, the Beit lady builds it, though, on, again, the three Midrashim, the Yalkut that says that they were, they were, they were polluting us, right? The Yalkut that says they were making us Tomei, and that was part of what they were doing. And also the Alpha the Medrash, that says that they could have had the, the Shibur lifted if they would have agreed, that they would have had the servitude lifted if they would have agreed to become, when Mila is not on our book anymore. We're just not going to do Mila. Again, it's a, you, have to, you have to accept that. And, and, and I think, so now, you're right. The, the Pesukim themselves don't say it directly. The evidence that he's brought can support that hypothesis, but the same information can be used a little bit differently, and, and that hypothesis wouldn't be there. 
Um, let's take a look at... Uh, yes. According to his thinking, they, the, the Egyptians wanted the Jews to become Egyptians. Right. Is that the reason? Right. right. Why did they want them to assimilate what would be the purpose? Were they afraid of the Jews that they would rise up and... and I'm not sure. Possibly. When you know someone is the other and when you know someone, you know, speaks about being different and, and lives differently and talks about a connection to God, so you you want to... And worry about the Jews influencing the Egyptians and, and destroying their culture? We don't know. What you're saying is we don't know. He doesn't really give enough information here. We can speculate. We might have to look for it. I'm just saying in terms of... the other way, isn't there more evidence for the other explanation? Well, it's doing it to, well, to, to break them to keep them in place. To keep them as a lowercase people. Right. That would never even think right, even though they, even though they would, even though they would be, um, you know, non-efficient laborers and broken and unintelligent laborers, it would still be worthwhile keeping them that way than giving them any sense that they could really rebel. Yeah. That's what Paro said. Paro did say that. You're right. Who can the Paro quote? Who the Paro seems to say is, is that hey, um, if we let things go this way, they'll just they'll increase to a point that they'll join up with our enemies right. and perhaps take over the country. This way, whatever increase they have, they will be the lower case and they, will, they won't, there's no way they'll even feel have any control here at all. All right, today, so maybe is, 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 is adding this layer of interpretation. And I believe that he's adding the layer because I think he believes his listeners have to take a metaphor from here to their country. And it was making it for the time. Doing this, yeah. so I think that, I don't believe that he's, he's just being intellectually dishonest. I think he's bringing it out, especially for his time. I don't know. And I, I'm also saying that living in that time caused him to suggest such a thing. Living in that time and having that type of attitude allowed him to formulate this with a certain clarity that perhaps otherwise, you know, we perhaps wouldn't even think of, but I think he thought about it, and, and let's see how he does it, and now he's going to build up some steam here. Maybe there's a medishrab in Galatians. It says, I think it's, uh, I'm not sure where that puffing is. All his days, it's pain. The and everything his Indian is, his theme, the thing that surrounds him is anger. So what does the Medrash say? He called Yom of Nifogim. All his days are pain. Abraham Mitzrayim, those are the Egyptians. Say, evil you told them, I say, and they cause us great pain with their actions against us. The what does it mean that he caused anger? They cause us pain, yet they angered God. Us pain, anger to God. So again, that measure seems to say that it was about enslaving us, but also an attack on God. How is it an attack on they were trying to make God mad with their evil actions. The Mitzrayim. Now, does that mean it's the 
same thing. You hurt my people, I get mad at you. That's maybe one way to run the mentor school. Right. They acknowledge the sense of God as an enemy to them. And these people, they might not perceive monotheism the same way we do, but they know it's something that might be a threat to them, that's something something they hate. So again, if the lady says Romzu, although it doesn't say it openly, this alludes to these two points. Of course, it was painful, and they definitely need to be called to task for the inhumanity they had of hurting other people. The host of Rosa, but the idea of anger, that means the Indian, what they really are after, what their head man was after, and what their leaders were really after, Iraq was basically only to make Hashem mad, to spoil Hashem's plans. Because by applying this pressure on them, they will have to leave their religion. And there won't be a people of God anymore who are supposed to be carrying this banner. The rock, now, here comes the interesting part. Even though Paro and many of his advisors were aware that this was what it was about, Paro could not act openly according to what his secret thoughts were. He couldn't just go out there like the communists did and announce we are hereby um, outlawing the religion arose from China because there was a certain amount of civility. They did come in practicing a different religion. He couldn't just outlaw their actions. Unlike the Greeks and unlike the Romans and unlike the communists and unlike other countries, right? This already is, you shouldn't, this already is an idea that we find in Ramban and other early commentaries that there was, the power could not be completely open as that. His plan, remember? That's why he has to call in the midwives and say to them secretly what, what he expects from them to do. But well, well, why? I, I don't because, why? There, well, because there was a certain amount of civility in the country. And, you know, there was a certain amount of leadership set up that they, what are you doing here? What does this have to do? How can you outlaw our religion? We came here practicing it. Why, why, how can you now somehow put an end to it? But, but I don't understand that. Why could, why... What was, if he would have done, let's say, if he would have done, what would have happened? Nations didn't do that. They would have, perhaps, they could have even elicited support from some of the Egyptian lay leaders and said, you know, what's going on here? I was slavery. Okay, you could say we're not doing our part. You could say we're parasites. You made a political cause. You can, you can accuse us of intrigue. But they cannot, again, we accept the base of Levy's supposition that what got Paro's gourd was this God people, these people who always talk about one God or they do things according to some their Israel God or whatever it is. But for years that has been accepted and they were allowed to practice their religion. Is it because of Joseph? Right. Because of that's right. And now you know, there's been uh, we can't just all of a sudden stand up and say we're outlawing it. Again, we see these things change. That's why the Medrash refers to the generation of the Greeks as being unique as the Dorosh of Shmad. <laughs> that was the generation of, of Shmad. 
They had the generation of forced conversion, which was unique in Cloud Israel. It was the first generation of Babylonians that didn't force that. True, they also wanted them to bow to the to their God, but it wasn't an outlawing of Jewish religion. It was only including in your Jewish religion we want you to also bow to this idol that we've set up. But it was not like a um it wasn't like a um a like it wasn't by the Greeks. They didn't search out and, and, and look what people were doing and stop them from doing their mitzvot. So, that's what it turns out. Uh, the Ramban says a similar thing when he talks about that if he would have, if, if Paro had openly commanded that the people engage in murder, then they would have cried to the magistrates and there would have been a public outcry against it. It was all done in a very secret way. So taking a page out of it. Couldn't that be sort of like with Hitler? There's never been... 100 You know, as bad... 100%. I think it's so humanity In the past, there was more humanity. When it came to Hitler, it was just the bottom of Well, the even with Hitler, things started in the 30s, you know, supposedly, you know, according to uh, what had been somewhat of accepted behavior. I mean, again, things got to the point that you're right, that it was... It was race laws that, that, that couldn't be justified. Isn't the difference that the Mitzrim didn't really hate the Jews because they did shower them with gifts when they left, while the German people truly did not like them? They showered them or they took them from them? Well, they allowed them. They, they, they allowed them to take, like the measure says that they actually said. They, they gave them gifts. That they actually the measure says that they added to their requests and they added those oh, can take this and this also. Well, well, but there's another, without even the measure, the Prophet says that Moshe was great in the eyes of the Mitzram, right? That's what the Prophet yeah. says. But by the end of all those Makos, Moshe was like a hero and they hated Pyro. That's right. You would say, you know, what is you on his side? And our king's an idiot, right? And the indeed came. But I don't know if he's talking about this, the, the Joe Lunchdale mystery or if he's talking about you know, the leadership. But, but with the Germans, every, all the Germans hated the Jews. I guess so. It, it wasn't like... I guess so. I the, guess the, so. The, the Joe Again, you know... Pale and the... Yeah, okay. Okay. Well, you know, Goldhagen has sort of showed that in his book, Daniel Goldhagen, in his book, that, that there was that, that, there was, that the anti-Semitism was pretty prevalent in all sections of that. I know he proved that about the uh, the German police and things like that. Now that's part of his main main proof. And the German police, of course, were taken from the middle class Germans. They weren't necessarily the SS. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go on the proof of the Germans. You know, mm-hmm. the wrong guy. And someone who lost, you know, most of his family from that. So, <clears throat> however, you know, I think that we have to say here that this is, as he's going to say, Paro and his henchmen, Paro and and maybe the people in the know, Paro couldn't uh, publicly declare we're outlawing these strange actions they do. Maybe like Debbie is saying, because there's a lot of polytheism going on, and maybe because like Jules was saying, because there's already been a tradition, and as we're saying, in some ways, they were more civilized than regimes that, the totalitarian regimes that have developed in the last 200 years, where you can actually go and, you know, across you know, the communists and the, and the Nazis. So, uh, but uh, in the time of Mitzrayim, as Pesach Levi says, and indicating perhaps a little bit of his time, 
where in Cyrus Russia that they were affecting Lithuania there. He said, they can't just come out and say we're outlawing your religion. Uh, that we can't do, right? Kilo came Yahasen. You can't do that. On what basis can they say that their citizenship, you know, they're good citizens? How could they get involved in what they're doing in terms of religion? <laughs> he was a trick. He, he was acting. He was the He concocted this whole thing that we're going to enslave them. And he told them that you've got to be part of the national labor thing and we're going to enslave you because you're parasites and you're not working. Because by inflicting the Shibu, there is some benefit now. But what he's ultimately hoping for is the total dissolution and the loss of God's people. For who out there are Kakosev? There's a verse in the Pesach in Mishle that, re- that reflects this type of attitude. Upi Rishoyim Hamas. That the mouth of the evildoer covers his violence, or what he really is asking. His mouth covers the violent intentions he really has. Pirusho the Hamas. Does that mean that he's saying good things in No, he means that he explains it. The Hamas Sharosho Seyu. The real, true violence, the real, true violent, negative thing that that evil person does, mechaseyu v'tiv, he covers it with the words that he says. He doesn't really own up to his true intention. He mentioned something else. But the, the sign of the Rosh is that he doesn't come clear to what he really wants. The chain is nagi moyim paro, and the paro was like this prototypical Russia that Shlomo Melech mentions. Uvezek, that's in Mishlei. Uvezek, hero akadosh baruch hu l'moshe osa rishon aromik u'shibud aguf k'moshe kasev nu'amal benachash tafke. So remember what the Yalkut says. But therefore, Moshe is getting a lesson as to what these mitzvahs are and how they're affecting the Jews. So the first thing that's being symbolized again is the guf is the way the body was being broken. But what was used? A snake. Why? Why a snake? The koachayot ha-mazikim v'torfim osim kein l'hanafam. Bears, lions, as dangerous, panthers, as dangerous as they are, they have an instinct of eating and food, and, and they are a dangerous predator to eat. Kadeshi yochlu es tarfam. In order for them to eat, because they are the hunger they have is to attack and destroy and eat their prey. The Hanochosh, as we know, ain't no shum hanab in a shikhoto. The snake has no, derives no pleasure from his bite, his killing bite and insertion of poison. The kokavanoso vatkahevet. Therefore, even though I guess the, again, you can't deny it, the snake does swallow its prey and imbibes it, and, but you can't say that he's enjoying it. So part of what's causing him, again, this is the Midrashic take on the snake, as he's heard probably before, and the snake gets no pleasure from his biting. Therefore, even though the snake does subsist by the total swallowing of another being, and then it's sitting there, and you've seen the picture, and they just sit there and absorb it and crush it, you can't say that he's sort of like, he's, he's hungry. <laughs> and you know, he probably is, but 
it doesn't seem that way. The snake, at least from our perspective, just seems like a, a, a malicious creature. It just wants to hurt us, but not because there's a benefit to it. And in fact, the message, the Gemara says in Tainus, Kamodi eats the narration of Sassus Tainus. In the beginning of the Sassus Tainus, there's a story, they show on Akash, all the animals ask the snake, they say, yeah, you're pretty tough, snake. You know, but we don't understand. The Ari is building. The lion tramples. The lion captures and tramples and slaps around and also kills. But the Ochel, but we see that this is just his method of eating. They, tell they, the, the wolf, um, that's your first name, right, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. What's your name? Yehuda. 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 What, what benefit do you have from this, from this, uh, this, this, this hurt that you yield, that you wield all over? The Zeshi deals, and that, again, that's the Midrashic take on Nachash. Whether it's true or not, that's the way, that's the symbol of the Nachash. Nachash is the symbol of a, of a damager without any... Say the lowest of the lowest. Right. Right. right, which means he wants to hurt you, but it, you can't even justify it because he wants, it's, it's a strong... Motivation is what 
caused him to be so hard-hearted. And through that, he brought himself, Makos, upon him. In his Gaimbo, and through him it was fulfilled the idea that the Pasuk says, that your own evil is the cause of why you're being hurt. And your backsliding is what administers uh, rebuke to you. Why? Well, what's that? Your own the evil of Paro himself. It's not that Paro's own evil is responsible for him bringing the Marcus. Why? Now he's going to prove this is a brilliant interpretation. In order to understand it, though, let's set aside the declaration for one minute, and I'll show you the system that he's going to prove this from. Let's go back to page in Shemot. Page 302. Um, page 302. He's told Moshe is told his job in Pesach 10, verse 9. Not page 303 in English, but 302 in the Hebrew. Pesach. The cry has come to me. I see what's happening. You're going to go, and eventually you will bring the Bnei Yisrael of the Triumph. Now, turn the page, please. Um, to, um, page 304. On page 304, he says, which is the same thing as Pesach 16. Go to the elders. And God appeared to me. The God of Abram, He said, I am now coming to get you out. I'm visiting you, meaning I'm coming to fulfill the, the command. I'm coming to fulfill the promise. That those who will come to time have taken note, have taken stock, and it's time to get to get to save you, and it's also time to pay back those that have injured you. They all might tell them, how else they all might have come in the triumph, right? And I said, I'm going to take you out. They all need the triumph from the pain of Egypt. So basically, come and tell them the whole story. Tell them it's time to take you out, and you're going there to troll. They'll listen to you. And you and all the Zikna Yitro will then come and go Mitzrayim. And you're going to say, not what you just said. <laughs> you're going to say, uh, God, the Hebrew God, Nikro Instead of the way it was said to the Jews, where it was sort of like, appeared to me, right? right? Which was, if you take a look on page, um, um, page 304, what the design it was, God, the God of your fathers, appeared to me. Where at the Paro, what was said was, God, the God of the Hebrews, happened to come upon us, right? Take a look at the English there, happened upon us. Right? Toning down how significant the, 
the message was. The Atta, and you know what? Nebuchadnezzar, can we please go for three days in the Midbar, and in the Midbar that is, and to go do some korbanos to God, Hashem our God. Hashem says, I know. He will eat in it, said, He's not going to let you go. And then Hashem adds these three cryptic words here, the Lobiyat and not with a strong hand. I'm not sure what was that mean? So then, Pazachov says, I'll send my hand and I'll smash the mitzvah of all, trying with all my miracles, and then we will send you. So it's interesting that you see that why do they have to resort to this subterfuge, right? He tells the Jews, it's over. Not just for three days we're coming back, it's over. The glue is high. So the Pazachov's you don't have to throw. And when they come to Paro, they sheepishly ask for three days. We need your, we need your, and we want your, uh, want your permission. And they're sort of indicating that they're, they're coming back, right? Why was it that way? And there's plenty of answers that are said. You see what the lady how based on this principle, the basic lady's going to answer this. But again, a very fundamental question of parshanut uh, that everybody asks. So let's, let's, let's try to finish this. Okay. We're already closing in on an hour here, 57 minutes, but we'll see. So, let's go back. So, let's see. Tashem Yizborach, Yavik and the Beit HaLevi. Tashem Yizborach, Sivu Moshe, Le'et Vosach, Zikne Yisrael, Amar, Ba'le'em, Pekot Pekadah B'Yosef. Hashem told Moshe, go tell the Jews, go tell the elders of the Jews, that it's time. The Omer Aleph, Samuel, Ha'kanani, tell them, I'm taking you to the land of Canaan. Tell them the truth. She is going to explain that this is going to be the complete, complete redemption. We're gathering in the time when you stop the limit to remote. There's not going to be any more shibut anymore. No more servitude. The cost of all, but then it says right after that, that once you have that team, once you assemble that team, it says, the cost of all, ubato ato vizikne Yisrael el melech mitzrayim. Then you're going to come to the king of Egypt and mark him off. And then, Give us a three-day leave, Sarge. Right? Um, Mashmalutin shalad varim. 
if you hear those words, even though technically you could say that we didn't say we're coming back, but those words on the table clearly mean the Africa, your Shubu Shemus and the Triumph. Well, wait for three days, they're coming back. A host says, hello, oh, hello, my low, and Hashem said, I want you to say something else. Say them, welcome, Shiyeoko. Tell them where you're going. Be very specific. It's not, you're not going to Shangri-La, you're not going to Club Med, but where you're going is, Fokulwan Midbar. Tell them you're going to the desert to do it. Shang welcome, welcome, Shiyeoko, America. They're going to the desert? Because that's not a place you can stay long. Maybe you can, maybe you can hitch some, you know, get your tent done and, and, and get something. But still, it's not a place you can stay long. You want me to find it? Right. I want you to, I think it's better if you, right. it isn't better if you, if you follow. I don't know you Yeah. How about you, Debbie? The highest in the Koshabak province. It's a place full of snakes, a place full of, full of, uh, full of scorpions and stuff like that. That midbar who must get it. Everyone knows that a midbar is not a place you can last. The Yumukalka Moshu, but they've already sang, we just want to go to the midbar palace. Any normal region would realize you guys are obviously coming back. The Maimar Kosov, like Lueda, palace says when he chases them, Sogar Aleyam a midbar. The desert has trapped them. The English son of Akrelech was shown with Mamea Ezeyanim. What they want to do is go there and do so whatever obscure service they're doing for a couple of days. Lava Hashem, this is welcome to Korbanos, and they'll do their service, right? In the sky in Bapara. Why did they, why did Hashem speak that way? Why did Hashem tell Moshe to speak that way? Because of the, in Ikesh Tispal, I think it should be in Ikesh Tispal Tal, meaning with a crooked person, that's crooked. Why? The deeper I'm a foolish, Moshe, who can have action and have a Why is it that Moshe was at? Why was that Moshe was commanded to present himself as asking a small little favor? Because Paro is also a cheat. Paro is also hiding what his real intention is. The old is technically, openly saying, we are enslaving you for the good of the country. That because you guys are parasites, you don't deserve to be here, you're getting, you're getting too much, and you're getting too much of the national, uh, national uh, product, and you need to do your share, and you've been living here for free, and we're going to enslave you because you're going to have to do your part, and, we're gonna, and now our economy depends on you. He's never issued any official religious decree against them. He's had them for hundreds of years almost, serving. What's the big deal to give these guys a three-day pass? We see today in industrial societies that come upon them eating all the Hanukkah Abadab, Shenuko is a human malachim. They give off landowners, middleweight and whatever, they give off, and especially in the industrial times, take a holiday, come back after the holidays, you'll be stronger. It's not unusual, even if it's a slave, to give them some time off to, to recharge the batteries. We know that actually Moshe himself was instrumental in 
in procuring for the Jews, of course, the day of rest, the Nosan Lot, right? And that's again based on, a, uh, it's going to be, in the words of the Marshall, it's based on what the commentaries say, Al-Maimer, on the famous part of Dabin that we say, Yismach Moshe, the Matna Selko, that Moshe's happy with Shabbos because he's been a Shabbos man his whole life, because he was the one who helped um, uh, broker their whole agreement that the Jews would be able to have a day off. And Pyro agreed to that. So why shouldn't he similarly agree to a three-day vacation? It's not asking for a three-day vacation every single day. <laughs> so if, if, if it's all about keeping the labor force strong and continuous, what could be so bad of having three days off? The God Moshe Rebbein and Mikot Ravitrat, the evil Koyakavanot, the Kamosh Omar, the Div, if Pyro was really honest, this is about keeping this work worthy of subservience, but now that it's established your slave and you can't rebel and you're working for me, <laughs> if Paolo really was honest, and that's what was really had become, whatever Jew hatred, you know, was, was, was in the background, but now it's merely a business issue, Tremont can take up with that. Paolo would have agreed right away to let the Jews go out for their three days. And who could die with the ball up or that the old It's not worthwhile getting smacked around and you see that when the makkas start coming again the request is essentially the same let us go for three days and come back obviously so why could why should Paro in any intellectual way allow his country the onslaught of one maka and for sure not ten so what's the answer actually by Moshe saying this, although in some way he said it as if he was the meekest little um, union uh, negotiator, that was a thorn in the eyes of Paro. The Hashem. By saying we're going to go to serve God. Oh, oh no, that, you can't do that. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to destroy that. That's the point that gets Pyro scored. Because he said well, he just want to go for, uh, for a holiday with Pyro working. Right. But since he keeps on saying every single time, and then we're going to go and serve God there and serve our God. Oh, no, no, that's what I want. I don't want to be right. That's the whole point. This whole stupid was to get you to, to not serve God. And I didn't think about it. So I can't let them go. So on one hand, you know, he's trapped. On one hand, you know, it, it would be, he should react like the pirate that he must be. He should see the wisdom in giving these guys off, days off, and maybe they'll come, and maybe they'll come back. But he can't agree to that. Right? <laughs> it's like a, it's like, it's like, it's against his whole purpose. The negative, it's against the whole depth of his thoughts of what he really is after. Shehein mevakshami menu. What they really, what they're asking, really could, could, could stop the whole years. I've been trying for years just to get them to be not connected to that old religion at all. I can't allow them to go back and serve. And by me giving him this day off, that's going to be a chizuk, what I'm trying to, it's going to strengthen what I've been trying to do. That's what he meant earlier, Jules. That's what he meant earlier when he said that Paro, 
Paro couldn't give in. And when, when they kept on coming and saying, the first five Makos and we want to go out, her and grit his teeth, he's been committed to this for years already. That's been the whole system. He can't now backslide and allow any service of God. The And he can't even reveal to them because Hashem has told Moshe to play the part. Hashem reveals to Moshe the signs of the snake and everything, what power is really about. And he tells them, I want you to go act like a meek, meek, a meek dude and go and ask for the yuck, as if you're just a union laborer. And, and Paro, because you've got him hoodwinked, he doesn't know that you know. I'm telling you what he's really about. But he believes that the whole conversation is 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 continuing like a union labor, you know, the union going to the like the labor boss. And therefore the Hamos and Asman Kim Bakman and Dover Hashem, they're coming in meekly asking for three days off. And they have to be mentioning Avodah Hashem, which shouldn't really play into the issue at all. The Hubat and the Yodea, but he himself knows, Barum, to sell Ikarakbedishalom. But that's what he can't stand. It called Magamasubashibu, everything that he wanted from this whole terrible enslavement, who in Noah's come there was to stop them from making any steps or embracing God. The Hamalacha, this idea that he's giving it off time, really, it's a benefit, but that's really not really what it's about. And from there, Paro actually was hoodwinked into believing the next day, just basically, if you have uh, a little bit bigger on the next page. The Moshe Aharon, the Moshe Aharon, ain't of the Oda Metatom and Belibo. He's still convinced that Moshe doesn't know that this is a religious fight. The Ikebach Shavto. How can fear of Milakabo Devrayim? He's still caught up in this little phony illusion that he's propagated to most of his people and to the Jewish leadership. And he's stuck. And therefore he refuses to accept what they're saying. Because it's clear from what the way they're asking, and they keep on saying, "Call the serve God." They don't really know what he's about. They think he's just this cruel Nechapater uh, who doesn't want them to, uh, to to have any to, to just the money hungry and just doesn't want them off. Right. And because he, this was a psychological game, because he forced him to to dig in his heels into this position, he has to keep on saying no. The subtle old Makos, and he kept on saying no. More and more, he kept on saying openly, because no, I don't want to let you go, because you guys are a bunch of lazy good for nothing. That's what Hashem says. I'm telling you, I know people eat in the Mahaloch. He's not going to let you go, even though all you're asking for is to go. Mahaloch, just to take a three-day trip. The low biyad chazoka. Komar hagam ki bikashte mitok anhimod. What you asked was very small, very modest. Im kosei yodei ani kigam zamaat lo yitim lakam. I know he won't even give you that. Yan ki nirensi katana. It does seem small. Ma'enim yodim kavanosa. It does seem small. 
if you don't know what he's really after. But I just cage you into it. And therefore, he'll never agree to that. He can't. Um, because that would mean you're going to become, again, closer to God and to, the, and to the, the, what Jewish religion has always been about. Um, he's not going to let you. He can't give that to you. Paro himself and maybe the very inner leaders know how big that is and how he can't let a open religious activity occur. The Lobiyat Chazoka means, which we said was a difficult phrase, He's also not going to I know he won't let you do this small thing, and he's not going to break character. He's not going to openly say, I can't let you do that because I'm against, I hate your religion. He won't say openly what his real intention is. He won't have the strong hand. He won't reveal his strong hand of what's really pushing it. He would be embarrassed to admit openly to you that the whole thing that he's concerned about is the only thing and that's really the point he keeps on saying no I don't want the, I only want the adults to go not the children he never argues about what's really bothering him which is I can't allow that to be a no service to God he's actually going to hide his thoughts he's going to say no I can't let you go for three days we need you working during those days the economy is going to fall apart Paul himself says as you can see Paul himself does say a economic reason as you can see on page um, 300 and um, Society that also all you know on record they didn't say they want to knock out the religion. 
never said openly that it was about destroying Judaism or destroying the religion. But they also, said, it's always about the suffering of the animals, not, <laughs> not that they want to not have kosher food. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's... Hello, Pika. Yeah. All so, because there was some stability even it was right, and therefore technically, oh, believe me, they, yeah, but the point was, I mean, it was still, the decrees were cruel, and the Jews had to suffer, and the taxes were like, terrible, and that they, but, but they didn't openly say, well, look, let's stamp out your religion. We want to get it, even though that's what they really wanted. And this, is, this was the so Why do you think they wanted, why did the Zionists want to stamp out the religion? I can't tell you. Control. And what they the reason why they wanted to take these young kids and conscript them in the army was that they wanted to destroy the younger generation. They yeah, that's what they wanted, and that's what Pyro had too. And again, I think that's what inspired the Beis Lady to think in this way. And this shows his attitude and his trust. His trust. And because the people in those days were sending kids to the school, they'd be welcomed in the school. And he saw that as yeah, that's right, that's right. And, and, and even if there would have been some decrees, the decrees are not, well, what's this word to get along? What they're really after is the dismantling of Judaism. And they won't stop until they get there. And that's really what they're after. And that's really what Pyro wanted. Although Pyro did it a little bit in an extreme way of, of mass enslavement, but according to the Midrashim that they lady was quoting, which, again, I'm not saying that's the only take on it, and he wasn't the first to quote these Midrashim, but I think he's unique, the way I see the brain working, and also in this, in this chat in the politics about what to tell the Jews and what to tell Pyro, and he's not trying to say that, you know, and why that actually traps Pyro into hardening his heart. That by knowing your enemy's position and acting like you don't, you actually... The check that you, you, I know what you, what you are doing there, but you don't know that I know. So I'm going to act like I don't know what you're doing, and that's going to force you further and further into, uh, into the difficult situation. Well, what was that guy, the way you said it, he came and he saw what was going on. It just doesn't make sense to me that these people were from, who were religious, were setting their kids into this kind of situation. Uh, that wanted, I don't understand. I think they wanted them to take advantage of what didn't close up them. They've never been allowed to go to school, and now they can go to school. Yeah, but, but they were losing their kids. They were losing their kids. Yeah, but remember, they officially had made deals with them that uh, they wouldn't have to be Makao Shabbat if they could sit in class, and you get the uniform with the buttons, right? And that's all. And that was all we talked about. And that maybe the wave in the future, the future was here, and that we, 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 you know, better for worse. So it was different set of circumstances, but I think the basic mistrust is the same. Isn't it parallel to America? Yeah. We're, we're accepted, we've done our kids' second school, and they become assimilated. Right, which is even the same thing. Right, which is really not required. Again, you don't have to turn the government into this Lothariot uh, monster. It's going to happen anyway. Unfortunately, you know, Judaism is such a, it's such a, uh, uh, such a brittle, we have such a, you know, brittle, delicate hold on it that clearly the Gentile society could, could, could destroy Judaism anyway. That's a lot better, especially when you're dealing with a villain like Pyro, and 
ascribe to them these intentions, and I think it's important, uh, you know, when people hear this, uh, you, can, you can imagine the effect it would have. I think the connection would be uh, very obvious. Let's just finish off here. I don't know if we're going to... Uh, I maybe just want to ask you one question. Yeah, sure, Molly. When Joseph came down, Carl uh, said, sure, come, bring your family, and you can have the land, and everything is going to be fine, and, you know, everything was fine, and there was no no impact or, or any question at that time that uh, the Navy Israel came down, but everything was going to be fine. All of a sudden, and the question is, why did they What was it that we know that we know, we know. He said, from the wording of his text, it is not the usual dynastic um, passing on, but it was a violent overthrow of one government for another. So that when the new government overthrew that country, and that, and that, and that, and that, therefore, there was a, a complete desire to destroy them. It, and, and or it might have been a conquering nation that did not know it was in people did not know Yosef. They did not know Yosef. But, but, but still, even if they didn't know him, that, that change, you know, that was... was I, I, I think Yosef kind of knew it, and that's why he um, wanted them to live separately, and he gave the excuse uh, to the king, uh, they have to live separately because they're sheep herders, you, you know, like, you, you don't want those sort of people you know, with, with, knows with you. Yeah, so the allure. But the idea of enslavement, the idea of hating them, what, yeah, that, that's the question of, you know, again, again, the big, you have to sort of have faith to accept the basic lady's approach, I agree, not in the Pesukim, uh openly. The, um, you know, and, and again, I, I think you know. I, I just want you to appreciate you know, the fun that he's having with it, and, and, and I think there is a, a good point to be made on how people trap themselves. And let's just see one last thing, and this is a beautiful idea. Also, this really leads to the major philosophical question that we started with, which is how Hashem can actually um, take Pharaoh's hero away. Seemingly, it would seem again the captor of this whole piece. We need to understand how the Kodesh Baruch Hu chizek Here's a Kodesh Baruch Hu strengthening his heart. Harayena Kodesh Baruch Hu bovet alunyan briotam. Hashem doesn't. Not a tyrant. Hashem doesn't alter people's free will. He's not a hardened man. Yeah, hardened heart. Oma chota paro can paro be considered a sinner after Hashem is Baruch chizek liba lebal yishava. Hashem is hardening his heart, making him not send. So how can Paro now be blamed for that action? Look, Farnes Kashu, Rabin many, many have found this difficult and written, obviously, answers. Rabin what's right to answer this question? You know, he doesn't even feel like he needs to, you know, to tell you to look at any of the others. He says a lot of people have problems with this issue, but what's the problem? The real answer is, the Paro Be'etzem, Ritzono, Hayachopet, Lubal What is Paro himself? Paro, without the maka, is a person that does, without the plague, without the plague and the effects that were occurring, does not want to send, um, does not want to send the Jewish people away. If he would send 
It would not come because of a true change of heart. The Maka, battering him to a pulp, finally gets him to say, yes, send that. You think about it. An action that was done because you were forced to do it, because otherwise I had you like the cop had you by the neck, by the scruff of the neck, and you come banging your head and saying, yeah, you're admitting, yeah, yeah, you don't want to do this, right? Bang, bang, bang. This that was done um, forcefully has uh, there's no and it has no significance. Well, Kamei Mamafur is a very famous statement. <laughs> Being forced is not praiseworthy, but and it's also not negative. It's an action that was done, but you can't praise him and you can't um, you can't denigrate the person for doing it. Yeah, he did it. He did it because he was forced. It was done, and you don't give him a big pat on the back <laughs> for doing it. And you don't, you don't, you don't denigrate him. For doing it. You don't give him a big pat on the back for doing it. You know, you're up against the wall. I say, I'd fire you if you wouldn't do it. Okay, so now Mishmachi sees the Hashem as Libo. What was the Hashem hardening his heart? He hardened his heart that he shouldn't feel the pressure. It's not that he put into his heart. I want to send. No, I don't want to send. Uh, I want to send you, and all of a sudden he starts saying, uh, I, uh, uh, I'm not sending you. No. And he, it's not that Hashem did that. Rakhizek Libo, Akadeshi Yosem Menu Yiras Hamaka. In other words, the normal person who's, who bends to the Hefrach, bends to the force that's being applied. So what Hashem does was, is that he did do something. Yes, it was unique. What he did was he hardened his heart to the point that it, the makia didn't seem to have an effect on him. Every other person would have felt that like he was being beaten up and says, please stop it already. He didn't feel that way. And he was therefore left the way he originally was, was a person who was a bum who didn't want to send them away. But it's not that Hashem took over his free will. And this is where he makes his point beautifully. Because let's say he would have sent them. Let's say he would have sent them through the fact that he got beaten to a pulp. That doesn't spell anything positive for Paro. That's not like Paro could have been a good person and Paro could have been a decent guy. That would have been nothing. That would have been someone who, of course, you beat him up, you get the guy to do it. So, it wouldn't have been considered anything significant. Because there's Shamar Akosas, beautiful shot in this week's passion. Take a look at this week's passion. When Hashem comes to him about this idea, let's see what he says. He says, Send out my people. 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 Send out my
if you deny yeah, I'm not saying you it's got to be to you inside you still want to keep them in Mo'ain I told you if you inside you don't want to send them that's why I'm giving you the message what I want is the you to change the you didn't change that, now we go back to Beit HaLevi Zeshamar HaKosot Ki Yemo'in Atali Shaleach The you needs to want to send them Pirish Ma Shetishlach Ha'yidei Ha'echlach Shel Ha'maket If it's not you that's sending them It's the robot that's sending them Not the robot meaning of anybody You can beat them up It's just going to say Stop already I'll do what you want Well Yolochah Wachosir Ha'makot Me'alechah It's not going to help To get rid of the makot Cold until it's you yourself that actually wants and learns the lesson and wants to send them. Is that like your free will to send them? That's that, right. That circumstance. That's right. That circumstance of you getting beat up. It's got to be you understanding that it's the right thing Correct. to let that happen. And that never happened. So it's not that Paro's will was taken away. Well, I, what about the idea of Shuvah? What about the idea that Jews Hashem does put us into terrible situations and that changes things and we do tshuva because of that and it's not considered Hashem doesn't discount that and say oh everything you did was just because um, you know you were forced why does tshuva work why do we say when bad things happen it's in order to beat you up a little bit in order to uh, right what does that mean that's exactly right, Hayabro. you soon wake you up, we talked about that, um, 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 from the, sort of like the hibernation, the Tardema foolishness, the Yavin Besichur, and you'll start to understand, because when this happens, you look in the mirror and say, God, what have I been doing? And what's been going on? The Yitzcharet al-Masha also harrotted the word. Then you have to rethink your life. Yeah, I need to be beaten up. But once I was beaten up, I realized that I've been wrong and things have been going wrong for me. And the Yitzcharet points to the direction of how I should change. And it's true, you came to a realization in the depths of those Yisurin, but now you don't need the Yisurin anymore. True, the Yisurin got you there, but the realization, like you said, that you woke up and the intellectual understanding you had through the Yisurin of what you were doing wrong and where you could change, like the, the Yisurin means the pain and the suffering that you have and the sickness and the diseases and the, and, and the financial problems and the emotional problems, whatever they were, you were able to divine by what they were exactly how you were going wrong and what you need to change them. So now you're sort of happy about the Yisra, if not happy, even if the Yisra go away, Gamkeng will Yashuv with Kislam. You're still not going to go back to the foolishness of the behavior you had before. You're a new person. You thought about it. That helps. This is something that, whether unique or not, that's that's what happens by when a Jew is beaten up or forced and sees the light. And this is a famous Rambam that, you know, if you, you beat a person up to give a gift, we still consider it a kosher gift because we say that the guy wanted to be a firm Jew, he wanted to do the right thing, he just needed a little bit of convincing, <laughs> and that really, that really brings out the real true Jew, the true Jew. Look what he says there. He says, In the inner will of a Jew, in that inner will, it really wants to be good. 
locked on the Siba Chitonio through outer reasons, through outer forces. Hoping to create the horror. The horror seems to be so great. And the culture and the society may be a machet and cause you to do sins and that distances you from God and clouds your judgment. That's the reason why Chuva works for us. Gama Yidei Golis. Even though it came as a, it came through exile in Yisurim. Yisurim ain't a boy in rock with his Gabra Lachibos. Yisurim is there to knock out, to neutralize all the things that brought you down. And the Yisurim caused you to throw those away and maybe to lift you out of those, those, the, 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 the forces that caused you to sin. In Yisharim, in your left, and then you're left with the pure will of, it's really within us. Um, whereas, that's not necessarily the sense, although he doesn't make this point, that's not the sense by the Mithrim, and that wasn't the sense by Paro. And therefore, the fact that Paro wasn't able, you know, Paro stayed the way he was, it wouldn't have meant much if he even sent them out anyway at Maka 5, or Maka 3 or 4, we see that he did it. So we have a description here why Paro has not options in the beginning, because he sort of can't. <laughs> he can't move back from his position. And even where he would have been ready to throw in the towel about his original plan, Akarash Barakul said, you know what, that's not what I want anyway. You didn't change anyway. That wasn't you. That was just the matcha where that's allowed you. So that's another positive lesson. This little piece can actually be taken separate from the previous piece, but I think together is a, is a, is a very nice uh, direction. And you can see this was a drasha that we said in this week's parsha, last week's parsha. So, I think we've, I think we've, uh, We've definitely gone over our time. I think it's a very nice piece from the Beit HaLegion. I think it's reflective of his time and his method of thinking. And I think there's still things that we can take today and really, and really, and really see as, 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 as giving us chizuk um, about dealing with pain and suffering that sometimes happens. And, and recognize that that doesn't just mean that we're nothing, but really we can actually use that to, to uh, you know, to end with a double toe to actually come back and, and rediscover who we really are. Okay, so that's it for tonight as far as the Salvation class goes. Um, and we'll see you next, hopefully next week as we, uh, as we can continue. I